0: 37 here on the West Coast everybody Saturday night July 25 year 2015 and Merry Christmas Patricia how are you?
1: <laughs> Merry Christmas Walden and people are still talking with us after hearing Christmas music forever but we really do have a special Christmas for everybody tonight. We have a guest tonight, and we've been telling you that Major Bill Grine is going to be joining us. Major Grine is claiming that he's retired, and he's going to do it again. And I don't believe him, but he'll tell us about it when we get to the end. Um, Major Bill Grine is the Marine Toys for Tots Foundation person. And we're just so happy that you could spend time with us again, Bill. How are you?
2: Hi, Patricia Walden. I'm um, fine, thank you very much. I'm starting to uh, feel a little pressure. You know, this is the 25th of July. Only five months till Christmas, and for a lot of people, uh, that's not uh, that's a lot of time. But when you have to Christmas shop for seven million less fortunate children, uh, it's it's not a lot of time. So uh, uh, we're starting to uh, to feel uh, feel the closeness of the season. Believe it or not.
1: I I can believe it. Uh, we were talking about Christmas shopping last week. We, I I said we're going a little easy on Christmas this year because of so much Christmas music playing, but we did talk a little bit about Christmas last year and Christmas shopping, so this is a good time to be talking with us. We're live tonight, major crime. Can people call you Bill? It's okay if they call you sure, Bill. Sure, I
2: would prefer uh, that.
1: Okay, great. Bill will be with us for at least half an hour. We are live. You can call in with questions. It is July 25, 2015, so when this replays during the week, you'll know you can't call in live then. 714-545-2071. Bill, instead of asking you specific questions about Toys for Tots and its evolution, if you were introducing yourself to someone How would you describe Toys for Tots to them?
2: Well, it's a uh, uh, a 68-year charity run by the Marine Corps Reserve, uh, and it was designed back in 1947, the first year, to fulfill the Christmas dreams of less fortunate children. And unlike many missions uh, of the Marine Corps uh, that have changed over the last sixty eight years, uh, the mission of toys for Tots uh, has not changed. Uh, we continue uh, with the uh, objective of fulfilling fulfilling the Christmas dreams of less fortunate children uh, in our country and helping moms and dads be the heroes, be Santa Claus to um, uh, to their children. So we think that Marines have been and are heroes enough. Uh, but uh, moms and dads might need a little help if they're down on their luck, and uh, that's what we want to do. We want to help them help uh, their children. And you do an extraordinary job.
1: One of the things I like to do, Bill, is reassure people that when they contribute or they find a toy that they can drop off at a center that's collecting toys for Tots, that the kids are actually going to be helped by this that it's you know something somebody's not just picking up. Because we've had such a state of charities this year that are so-called charities that are now having people spend some time in jail, I want you to tell people how, how effective and how close you are to the margin of how the percent of the donations that go to the
2: kids. Sure. Well, every toy... Uh, that is donated to us, uh, that is new uh, and uh, safe, uh, complete. Uh, you know, we, uh, uh, we used to take used toys. Uh, we no longer do. We uh, uh, think that there's a, a safety and health consideration uh, involved and uh, what we call the second-class syndrome, uh, where uh, a child, a less fortunate child, might think, he or she is only good enough to receive a cast-off toy from some other child, and and that's not so. So we we, uh, only take uh, new toys, and uh, we find homes for them all in 760 uh, communities across the country, Uh, and we also raise dollars, and dollars help us buy the toys we need Uh, In other words, in some communities, we might have a lot of little boy toys and not enough little girl toys, or we might, uh, and this is the case every year, uh, we get a lot of toys for uh, younger children, you know, maybe nine, ten, and younger, uh, but we never get enough for the preteen and early teen kids. And so when someone will uh, donate, uh, make a cash contribution, Uh, that enables us to uh, buy the toys we need uh, in in the communities, uh, and that's important. It's also important to know that if you make a local donation, uh, your dollars help a local child. And uh, I think uh, a couple things that we're most proudest of is that uh, more than 97% of every dollar donated goes to our mission of getting uh, toys, books, gifts in the hands of, of children. And uh, only, uh, well, slightly less than 3% uh, goes to our cost of fundraising and uh, administrative costs. And, and that puts us among the uh, top charities in the nation in that regard. And uh, not one penny uh, goes to anyone's salary. Uh, so it uh, it all goes to uh, to cost that uh, uh, of running uh, a, a large charity. Uh, so we're uh, we're proud. We I try to work that into every conversation, uh, and uh, it's important that people know that uh, you know their dollars going where they want their dollars to go to.
0: So, is there a foundation that pays the people salaries. Bill, how's it technically for? Uh... People who you know, like- uh, this is an
2: interesting story. Uh, we are endowed, and uh, about 10, 12 years ago, uh, 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 a person, and, and I won't name her name, but uh, she was uh, very wealthy, and she made um, five or six donations for... Uh, for uh, a significant amount of money, uh, you know, and the only charity that thanked her was Toys for Tots. And she also liked the fact that 97% of her donation was going to go to uh, uh, our mission. And so she made a significant Donation, uh, and I'm talking in the millions of dollars to Toys for Tots, and she said, "I don't want you to buy one toy with this money. I want you to take the interest and pay your salaries uh, with it, so that you can continue to, for always to to have a in 97 percent or better uh, in your program costs." So she has been very good to us. Uh, we have that endowment, uh, and it uh, we're using it exactly as she uh, asked us to to use it. So, Very nice. and it helps us put more dollars into the purchase of toys for for children.
1: Because you do have expenses. This is not simply sitting behind a desk and making phone calls. You do not have... not
2: always. Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, let's say a corporation. Uh, wants to talk about uh, doing a uh, you know conducting a, a cause marketing fundraising uh, program during the Christmas holiday season um, They might ask me to fly to Chicago or Los Angeles or, or New York and you know uh, when when you buy a, a plane ticket or a train ticket or have to stay in a hotel uh, those are all uh, and you end up raising funds from that uh, uh, that corporation, or they end up raising funds for you. Uh, that's all uh, fundraising costs, and we have to categorize that uh, uh, in in that way. So mm-hmm. you cannot. It's very difficult to have uh, uh, to have no fundraising costs at all.
0: How do they actually schedule that with you? Do they book you? Three months in advance. I mean, let's say if it got to be October and you said, "Hey, Bill, we want to see you in three weeks." That, that that might be a little tight. I mean, how how do you actually plan for something throughout the year like that?
2: Well, it, you know, uh, most most corporations, you know, are uh, uh, are t- thinking about what they're doing at Christmas time uh, long before Christmas i uh, i have even worked with some corporations that are are talking about Christmas two years in advance and I've already talked to someone uh this year about uh, uh doing something at christmas uh in twenty sixteen uh so uh, uh, they usually set the, the schedule on when they want to uh, uh, want to talk uh and we have some corporations that have been back uh you know for a, a number of years and all they would like to do is to uh, to meet uh you know like in September and make sure everything is is all set to go and uh you know and and they know what to do they're going to run the same program uh, as they have in in recent years uh a good example uh would be uh, a gentleman up in New Jersey who owns uh, 67 uh, Applebee's restaurants, and they have oh,
1: been—they
2: have been uh, an unbelievable corporate sponsor uh, for the last 12 years, and uh, um, they uh, conduct a breakfast with Santa, uh, where they sell uh, tickets for breakfast. Uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, the first Saturday of December uh, and we have a marine and Santa Claus at all sixty three restaurants and uh, uh, and they also their servers uh, ask every customer uh, when they're paying their bill if they'd like to add a dollar to the bill for toys for tots and uh, they have done that every year uh, they've raised uh, uh, close to three million dollars over the uh, the, uh, 11 years that they've been running the program and it's just an annual tradition for them to do that. Uh, so, uh, all we need to do, they, you know, they've got it down. Uh, we just touch base with them, uh, you know, a couple of times, uh, during the course of the year to make sure that, uh, uh, that they are, uh, you know, on top of things, and that we're on top of things to support their program.
0: So it's really important for someone to have that face-to-face time or that personal touch that you would yeah, provide.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, and then if it's a if it's a, a first-year corporate sponsor, uh, sometimes you know it's it's much better to just meet face-to-face and uh, uh, you know and and uh, work out all the details know who you're working with uh, you know so uh, yeah. uh, it uh, it just seems to to work better and, and you know and a lot of times the corporation will call me and ask if I could come up and see their operation and and uh, and whatnot and and it's important for them to have confidence in mm. me and uh, and and uh, the Tots Tots foundation so that they uh, know exactly uh, who they're, they're working with.
0: So you remember the first one you visited 25 years ago?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> I can't even remember what I did 25 minutes ago. So uh, uh, let's That's see. We uh, That's uh, how come we were hanging <laughs> on
1: your bathroom mirror, huh?
2: That's right. Uh, that, uh, that was his reminder uh,
1: note was on, on the bathroom mirror that he was I,
2: going to talk I always have, have reminders of uh, of significant... <laughs> Uh, uh things I need to do i uh, I put a little sticky note on my uh, uh my bathroom mirror, so uh I see it to the last thing uh, i I see before I go to bed and the first thing I see in the morning so that uh it's on my mind so uh, well
1: I'm very happy that we are on your mind tonight we're talking with the person who claims to be retired, United States Marine Corps Major Bill Grine, the um, head of the Foundation for Toys for Tots, and we're just so happy that you are with us. You can call. We're live on Friday no- or Saturday night. Walden, well, you got me all confused.
3: I know. Um, Saturday phone.
1: night, phone and phone. we are at 714
0: i and been ringing, but I've been talking to people off here. But yes, you want to talk to Bill? Just let me know. Seven one four five four five two
2: zero seven one. And you know great. what, Walton? I just remembered the answer. Uh, the answer hey, to your I'm question. I'm glad. <laughs> the the I think the first corporate sponsor that I remember working with uh, was Wheel of Fortune, oh, and, wow. and the the TV show, the game show.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, oh, and, um, and and we're
2: going back in the '80s now, uh, around 1988, '89, I think, uh, but don't hold me to that. I was still in uniform then, uh, running the program uh, as a Marine major, and uh, uh, Pat Sajak and Vanna White and uh, and the whole crew uh, had a, a a couple of. Guesses puzzles to guess, and uh, if you called in, uh, all the money that uh, people paid uh, to call in on a one eight hundred number or one eight eight number or something uh, went to Toys for Tots. Was donated by the phone company and uh, Pepsi, uh, uh, PepsiCo, and Pizza Hut. I think uh, uh, were involved, and it ended up raising a significant. Uh, amount of money. And, uh, it was, uh, I think the first, uh, first dollars that, uh, actually got, uh, got to the foundation. Uh, and, uh, and that, uh, that was my, f- my first, uh, uh, remembrance and that even, uh, and they made a, a large contribution. They raised over a million dollars and, uh, uh, we were involved with uh, former President Ronald Reagan was involved in making the check presentation, uh, Pat Sajak, uh, Merv Griffin, uh, all out uh, in Los Angeles making, uh, uh, getting involved in, in Toys for Tots uh, back then. So it was, uh, uh, it was a, a really exciting thing for a, for a small town guy to be uh, in that company. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that is really
1: great uh, It's It's a great story, my gosh, what an intricate setup they had there to make everything oh, work.
3: Yeah.
1: Somebody was coordinated, and <laughs> ha ha, it wasn't me. <laughs> I, uh, I can tell you that, Bill, how many children did toys for tot's help last when I say help, you brought Christmas to how many kids?
2: We, uh, last year, was just slightly over 6.8 million. Uh, we have been in or around 7 million children, uh, sometimes a little over, sometimes a little under, uh, for about the last uh, 12 years. And uh, uh, when I first started uh, back in the mid-'80s uh, with uh, the program, again, uh, in uniform, uh, Uh, we were, we were raising uh, enough toys to help children somewhere between three and four million a year. And so we've uh, pretty much doubled what we were doing, uh, you know, 30 years ago. So, uh, you know, I feel, I feel good uh, that, uh, you know, we've been able to uh, uh, reach more children uh, and never enough toys. Uh, You know, there's, 14 to 16 million children living uh, at or below the poverty level in this nation, and uh, we're reaching close to half of them. And uh, so we think that's uh, that's great, but uh, we'll keep doing it until, until we reach them all.
1: Amazing. I want to talk, you've got 760 communities who have rolled up their sleeves and they've got,
5: Units. Is is the correct term? Unit. Yes, we we call uh, call, it.
2: We have a 155 marine units in the major city count city areas. You know the Mm -hmm. Atlanta, Minneapolis, Miami, New York, uh, L.A., and Seattle, and all those. Uh, And then we have some smaller communities. We have. what I call over-the-hill gang, guys like myself who are retired Marines, (laughs) uh, former Marines, and in the smaller communities, uh, you know, maybe uh, towns, uh, you know, around 20,000 to to 80,000 or so in in surrounding counties, that's where uh, a lot of our volunteers, uh, you know, uh, start their Mm -hmm. program.
1: All right. Now, within these groups, these are the grassroots people. So what people donate to the individual units in the 760 communities stays in that community. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Yes. All toys raised in a community uh, stay to help uh, families in that community. Uh, We don't pick toys up. Now, if someone, uh, you know, for instance, a, uh, a company uh, like Hasbro, uh, who's been very good to us over the years, if they were to call and say, uh, uh, you know, we have uh, 100,000 Monopoly games uh, located in Los Angeles, uh, then, you know, they, uh, you know, don't mind where we distribute those. So uh, sometimes we try to spread the wealth around when we get uh, a large contribution of, of toys. So mm-hmm. we might, uh, might have some stay in L.A. and some uh, might go as far you know, as the East Coast, to, depending on just how many we get of a, of a certain toy.
1: Yeah. At Christmas time, when Christmas is over, how much of what Toys for Tots brings to kids, how much of that comes from individual contributions?
2: Well, you know that's that's interesting. Uh, you know, last year, probably, and that that's a, it was a typical year. About eighty to eighty-five percent of the toys that we distribute, and and I'm talking about uh, uh, sixteen to seventeen million toys were distributed last year. Uh, so, uh, you know, twelve to thirteen million of those were locally donated toys and the rest, the last, uh, uh 15% or, or so, uh, were, uh, uh, toys that uh, we were able to raise at the foundation from, uh, nice, uh, corporations, you know, like I mentioned, Hasbro, Hess toys, uh, uh you know, and, and, uh, books, uh, as well, which make great, great gifts. Uh, so all those things, uh, uh, Yes, certainly add up.
1: I love it. When this this is really a remarkable number. You really do need people in communities to roll up their sleeves and pitch in here. That's where your yes. major source of kid stuff comes from.
2: That's where the major uh, number of our our toys uh, come from, and uh, you know we also ask folks. Uh, To help us, uh, you know, if they own a business, uh, especially a business with a lot of walk-in traffic, uh, that uh, is something that uh, we really uh, could use them to be a a, a toy drop-off location, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and uh, – if the other uh, other things they can do to help, if if possibly they uh, they buy some airtime on a radio station, uh, you know they could uh, donate some of it to Toys for Tots to get the word out to, uh, uh, you know, to the community where they can get toys and where they can drop toys off. Uh um, yeah. You know, we're asking people uh, if they have vehicles, especially trucks or vans if they help us pick up toys uh you know for us or or help us distribute toys when uh when it, the time comes or sort toys in our warehouse uh, you know so we can uh you know have toys uh, you know one section for uh children you know 2 to 6 or something along those lines or preteen mm-hmm. toys or in and, and older uh children's uh, items so Um, there's a lot of ways that uh, uh, someone in the community can help, and it truly is a community uh, effort. Uh, So we're uh, always pleased uh, that uh, we get uh, a lot of folks helping. And a good example, and maybe our biggest program, uh, is Atlanta. And uh, we have uh, every year between 1,000 and 2,000 volunteers who, um, you know, people who might only come in once uh, during the month of December and, and some come in every night to uh, sort toys or go uh, get in a truck and go to 500 to 600 uh, pickup points, uh, you know, uh, there's just a lot of work and uh, and it's usually in a, you know, kind of a small period of time, Uh while we advertise that it starts uh, early in the fourth quarter, uh, people aren't ready to donate, uh, and we understand that, uh, uh, for, for the most part, until about Thanksgiving time. And uh, so we have four to five weeks uh, in which to pick up and distribute uh, uh, millions and millions of toys to, uh, to millions of children. So uh, we How need does somebody those volunteers. somebody to be a volunteer? Say again.
1: How does somebody get to be a volunteer?
2: Okay, they can go uh, on our website and uh, uh, and look up the the state and the and the county uh, in which they live, uh, and uh, they usually will find a phone number uh, and or a uh, an email address uh, to uh, to send a uh, uh, and request to be a volunteer. Uh, they also, uh, we usually advertise on, on the radio, uh, that, uh, you know, we're looking for volunteers to help out as well. Uh, and, uh, it, uh, it seems to, to work out. We, uh, you know, we find, uh, we, we find, uh, just enough. <laughs> We'd like to, like to find more. Sometimes we work some people uh, awfully hard, but, uh, uh, when it's all over, uh, they always seem to to want to come back because of the, the great feeling you get uh, during this very special time of the year. Uh, very you know, special. That, and your website healthy.
1: is www.toysfortots.org. Mm-hmm. The ORG Correct. is really important, or you won't get to where you want to go. Toysfortots.org. And you do have a lot of information up there. I've got so many questions for you, and I promised you that I was streamlining them. When people are out buying a toy, they really want to get a correct toy, something that a child will really enjoy, what toy
2: and what books do you hope they would bring to a center? Well, you know, um, we uh, first when somebody calls me, I always ask that they consider something for an older child, uh, because that's our hardest age group to, uh, uh, you know, to fill, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, we just ask, we don't uh, usually suggest we just say, uh, something that you would buy your child or your grandchild or your niece or nephew, uh, is what, uh, Uh, what we would like to give uh, to these children as well. Uh, You know, so we don't, uh, we ask them to keep it. They're spending in or around, uh, you know, uh, no more than $30, $35, you know, that uh, uh, we don't want to uh, give one child a, a $200 item and then the next child in line or, you know, parent in line, uh, it gets, uh, gets a, uh, uh-huh. a, a $20 uh, toy, and so yeah. we, we try to keep it as, as even as we can, and uh, we found that, you know, there's a lot of nice gifts that you can buy uh, a, ch- a child, uh, you know, uh, and not spend a fortune.
1: Yeah, and if you shop around and really pay attention, you can get some great gifts for kids at some bargain time. Mean, it took me a couple of hours, but last year I found a sports it's a battery operated sports question. It had a thousand sports questions in there. This is a guy thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a sports person. I was so happy that I found it because it was a major product. It was sold out everywhere and I found five of them on sale somewhere and they were quite affordable and they were just great. So, you know, you've got to spend a little bit of time, but they're out there. And, um, gee, I felt really good. You know, that not only did I get a bargain, but I got something that for eight right through adult, you know, to find something that covered the entire spectrum so that you could pick and choose where where the, the item went. So, you know, sure. if they're out there, you can do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. we uh, Many mothers uh, especially will sometimes uh, – uh, take their children uh, Christmas shopping and uh, ask them to buy something, uh, pick something out they would like to get for Christmas, uh, and then they buy it and make sure that, uh, uh, that they donate that to Toys for Tots. Kind of, they use it as an, a good opportunity for a child to learn uh, you know, how good it feels to give, uh, especially during uh, that Time of the year, Uh, and uh, so it's uh, we're being used as as a as a a lesson giver uh, as well, and uh, you know so the mothers feel good, the children feel good, and many uh, grandparents, uh, people who you know have raised their children and and maybe even their grandchildren uh, to a certain degree, and and uh, now have a little bit of discretionary. Uh, money to spend, and they want kids to have the kind of Christmas that they remember having when they were a child, and, yeah. uh, and so uh, we, uh, we're very fortunate to have a, a lot of folks in that category as well that support us every year. I love
1: it bill I 'm coming down to my last question here across my little heart. <laughs> and I, I think I'm almost even in the time frame here that we promised you, when people are sitting down and they're looking to choose a charity that they would like to contribute to this particular, let's say, in 2015, what are the two things they should know about Toys for Tots that might help them know the correct stuff about Toys for Tots and perhaps make a choice that you're it for them this year?
2: Well, you know, we we know there are a lot of great charities out there, a lot of a lot of people that work very hard and do very good things, and uh, you know, we we don't want you not to support them. Uh, you know, I have some charities that uh, uh, my daughter had breast cancer a few years ago, so we uh, uh, you know we certainly support. Uh, uh, support them, but uh, uh, what we want people to know is that one, um, 10 dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty dollars will help us fulfill the Christmas dreams of one child. And uh, you know we get a lot of good deals uh, with uh, when you buy millions of toys, so uh, so they can they can solve a problem uh, with not a lot of money uh so uh, uh that's a, that's a, a a great thing to uh, uh to keep in mind and we you know we're a, we're a a, a feel good charity uh if you want to feel good uh you know and know that you really did make a difference with one child uh you can do that with us uh you know and we only bother you uh for the most part one time a year uh you know Uh, at at Christmas time, uh, support uh, all the other charities that mean a lot to you, uh, you know, throughout the year. Uh, But, uh, you know, we'd ask you to to think of making one donation to us and uh, uh, helping a child.
1: I love that. That is really good. We've been talking with United States Marine Corps Major Bill Grimes, who claims he's retired, and you really are retiring from Toys for Tots. This is my last question. You're going to be with us again at Christmas time? You said you'd be able to do that around November?
2: Yes. Last, last, last <laughs> this will be my last. This was our
1: last, last, last time.
2: This will be my last, my 25th Christmas with the uh, Marine Toys for Tots Foundation. It just seemed like it's a, uh, a good time to. Uh, uh you know to step out uh, at uh, and uh, let someone a little younger uh, uh do do some of the work uh, you know when i go visit those corporations uh you know i used to uh visit uh, and still do a lot of the people uh are are young enough to be my my child and now I'm starting to see some that are young enough to be my grandchild, and so I think <laughs> I think maybe it's time to uh, uh, to uh,
4: go ahead and
2: and uh, and hang it up after this year. Uh, I uh, I'm gonna hate to go. I love everything about uh, the Marine Corps and 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 the Toys for Tots program, uh, but uh, I really uh, I think. Uh, you know, you should know when it's time to walk away, and I think uh, I think this is uh, this is uh, the time for me.
1: Well, it's an incredible disappointment for us that we're only going to have one more opportunity to talk with you. You you can you can part of our family, Bill. For goodness' sake, <laughs> um, no well, kidding. Uh, but maybe- you.
2: Maybe I'll get into, uh, no, I, I won't get into another charity, but uh, uh, just call me, uh, call me sometime uh, we'll get in called July and we'll December. Get called. Just, say, just say hello. That's what we'll do. We'll get called to see
0: you okay in July. That's what we'll do next that, year. Yeah, that's, yeah uh, we'll that some,
2: would be fine. I I look forward we'll, to the we'll, call. That's right. We'll get oh, to
1: say, that that would be terrific. I just wonderful. want to remind people one more time, you've got org. And I did notice last year. Maybe you've had it for longer than that. You have request a toy link up there for a parent or a family member who has a child who might not have Christmas without toys for tots, and you can go to the website and put in a request.
2: That's right. Uh, you know, people can find out how to how to get a toy for their child, and. Uh and uh, how to make a donation uh, of a toy or dollars on our website is as, as well. And, uh, those who need help, uh, it's a little early now to call, but, uh, uh, I would say, uh, sadly, sometimes we get calls on December 23rd or, or 24th mm-hmm. and, and it's just, you know, too late for us to, to do anything. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, um you know what what we ask is that uh, uh people call uh in uh, in November or, or early December and uh, and get their names on on lists excellent
1: i'm finished with my questions did i make my time limit
2: you were close enough for government work <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that's a compliment. I'm not really sure. but We will be back at Christmas time, Bill, to talk with you one more time and prompt people and give them help knowing how to get toys to kids at Christmas time. And in the meantime, it's so great to talk to you. Thank you for being with us again.
2: Well, thank you both for, uh, for letting uh, me talk about uh, toys for tots and, and, uh, spreading the word, and I really look forward to talking to you again uh, in December.
1: Great. You have a great weekend, Bill. Thank you so much.
0: Good night, Bill.
2: Thank Thank you. you. Good night. Good night.
0: And we're going to – let's see here. Patricia, what do you want to do? Do you want to stretch for a couple minutes, or how would you like to do this? Your choice. You've got all the buttons. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. Why don't we play about, hmm, a couple, about two songs? That way, you can get hey, people want to stretch, and then Patricia and I can uh, bring people up to date. Phone from you off the hook. Uh, but, you know, I said, well, why don't we talk to you guys after uh, our guess? So why don't I play a little music, for two songs, and then Patricia and I will be here to hunker down for a little while with everybody. So.
1: Oh, yes, we will. Oh, yeah.
0: So stand by, everybody. We'll be with
1: you. I'll be back.
0: Still there, Patricia? I bet she hung up. She probably forgot. Anyway, what's a Prayer first, and I'll go get Patricia. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. Bless Troy for Todd. Bless the uh, wonderful work that Association does. Look after the little boys and girls at this time. And throughout the year, Lord, we ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, we'll go get Patricia. Here we go.
6: Pause for Windows is ready. Patricia Hewitt, Bill Brad, Bill Prime, Skype Trademark, 20, John Gasman, Larry, Bill Prime, Larry Gap, Bill, John Gat, Mike's, Dennis Hawk, Jim Tate, Unread Messages, Tommy Lee B, Frank Brett, Sammy Joe, Jen Ollie, Tom May, Patricia Hewitt, Bill Brad, Tommy Cook, Gloria Mc, Unread Messages, Harriet, Larry Gap, Cynthia Ma, Patricia Hewitt, Bill Brad, Mike Kate, Patricia, it's phone number, application, send this, invite the group call, enter, leaving menus, Patricia, unloading, jackass, okay, enter.
0: Yes? And we're back,
1: hello there. Hello. Hello. That was short. Oh, well. I can but call I mean, you did what you promised, a couple of songs, and we're back.
0: Well, I was mailed a second Sometimes song. Sometimes
1: you sneak off and have know. peanut butter and jelly.
0: I, I know, but, 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 <laughs> but, 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 I yeah, thought but. the first song went wrong, and you went there, and you said you hung up, and I said, well, I will call you during the oh, second song. Oh,
3: oh, well,
1: I, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to. No,
0: no, 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 this is good, because this gets it through the rest of the night,
1: sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Would
0: you let people know what Live 365 is doing to us tonight? Yeah, I will, and also we have some of a sad announcement. People have been calling out yeah. about that, so we'll talk about that now. Um, this will be a somewhat a short show, depending on how you look at short, short, you know? <laughs> but uh, Live 365 is doing maintenance work starting around midnight tonight, West Coast time or 3 a.m., and they're going to be taking stations down for at least 20, 30 minutes at a time periodically throughout the night for six and a half hours. So, uh, if you wake up in the middle of the night and don't hear us, well, you we know why. You know. We, we haven't
1: been there. You know, we haven't... We've, we've been kind of cutting out at about 3 o'clock, 3:30. which is... You know, I mean, that's four and a half hours for us. And I'm the one who prompts that. And I say, I'm finished. I'm pooped.
0: You do very well, my dear. I don't... I just worth to have you for the time I have you. You're so kind. Well, it's true. Well, thank it's you. It's true. I mean... I mean, we've done enough... We did it. We did do 17 hours one day. I don't think anybody's
1: ever one, beaten it. One... One day,
3: yes, I want to
1: emphasize that was one day. everybody but, should do that one time, but in
0: life, but we and have, that was it We have done eight and a half, we have done our fair sure eight hours, seven hours, so we we've done some biggies. I don't know how we do it, but we have done it it's amazing. we have
1: done it they, yeah. they just sort of took off by themselves, true. so. So, so you have an announcement to make about Peg?
0: Yes, I do. Um, I known this for about about a week to ten days, probably ten days ago. Um, uh, that Peg Grinch, the wonderful comedy writer, uh, from the Great Stay in Nebraska, has to get that in. You know, everybody good for Nebraska. Smile, Patricia. I'm smiling. Okay. You can't hear it. Okay. You
1: can't hear a smile.
0: I know. I know. Um, passed away last night um, at age 98 a lot of us are hoping she was going to make it to 100 but um, she had hip surgery in May and the last week or so uh, when surgery Uh we knew about it a few of us knew about it that she was put in hospice at home over a week ago so we've been somewhat On the quiet, ritual, yeah, but her her daughter, who lives in England most of the time, uh, of course, she was here with her mom, put a wonderful, interesting uh, Facebook notice. And you go to peglinch.com, You can click on, look at her Facebook, uh, mention. But, uh, anyway, we lost Peg last night. And, uh, what a interesting talent. She wrote, wrote over 10,000 of those scripts. That's a few, isn't it, Patricia? 10,000 scripts.
1: Uh-huh. It's an intimidating number of
0: 10, scripts. 10,000. And she, uh, she did the series locally in the 30s. It went national on the ABC radio network, in 1944. Uh, Richard Woodmark was her co-star. He just couldn't wait to get out of town because he wanted to move to Hollywood. So, uh, you know, she was um, she wasn't a heartbreaker, put it that way. When he decided to go to Hollywood, and but they uh, they found Alan Bunch and. Alan did it until she passed away in 65. And through different revivals, you hear different years. In the 50s, she was on the Kate Smith TV show for five years. She did it in the 60s with monitors. She did it on different series in the 70s. And she was very active doing it through the conventions. And uh, especially, she and Polly Bear connected so well. They would They would do it so well together. And so next Friday... Um, we probably did the last interview with her. We did it on Skype, John, Larry, and I. And we'll feature one of the interviews we did with her. We'll probably feature the, uh, the series that the BBC did on her. Uh, her mom helped produce, her daughter helped produce that. It's an interesting, uh, piece of documentary. She talked about the time. And I think, Patricia, you might remember me telling you this story. There was some senator from Massachusetts that wanted to take her out. <laughs> and she was just too busy. She said he was just an avid fan of the show. And she turned him down, and that was John Fitzgerald Kennedy. So, you know, what can I say? Anyway. You just
1: never know what you're saying no to. <laughs> We don't.
0: I mean, if you say no, you never have an opportunity to find out what it would have been. That's right. So, so uh, anyway, so that's, we just wanted to mention that. And um, tomorrow, John will be in, in rehearsal, so it will be Martin Graham once we spot the top of the show. And we'll see what else we get through after that. But our pig Link celebration will be next Friday. So there. Merry no Christmas, Patricia. Stuff. How are you? Be? Are you I be good? am
1: fine, thank you.
0: Good. Are you okay? I feel
1: like Little Honey on Comic Man Weekly. I'm just in love with that little child. Uh, I still have not looked up in John Dunning who played Little Honey in Comic Weekly Man. Comic so, Weekly uh, uh, Man had a little sidekick who was a little girl named Honey, and he would read the comic strips, and she would help him and ask questions. The most adorable character. I mean, really lovable. You just want to put your arms around this little character and give her a hug and a kiss. And it's probably a ninety-eight year old woman who's playing the role. Well, but it sounds just like. Oh, do you know who played it? Well, that's
0: why. I guess, that's why I suggest why don't you get get the book out now and can we look it up now?
1: Well, we can look it up now, but I have to put the phone down. That's okay. Do, do, that. it because do that. I'm on a handheld All phone right. Go ahead, that, that will walk with me, but I. Well, maybe. Okay, Let put me the phone how down. Let I am.
0: You, you, you right. can do that while people are calling in at 714-545-2071. That's 714-545-2071. Can you believe it? Next week we're into August already. No. Yeah. And, and uh, that's always interesting that we'll be looking upon the 70th anniversary of the end of World War II starting next month. Hello there, Carl. You're on there. Hi there. Hello there,
5: Ron. Turn that down. There we go. That's helpful. We appreciate yeah. that. I don't need that up. I don't need that up. How are you
0: doing? It's warm. It's warm. Uh, I mean, what well, I mean, and most people probably kill me what it is. It's probably 70 degrees, 78 degrees. But I'm getting ain't used to it being like that. Somebody might
1: tell you what it is. Hi, Ron. Comedy Man Weekly is not in John Dying. How could that was be? Was it a radio
5: show?
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. And it was a wonderful radio show. It
5: ran for a long time. Let me see what I can pull up about it. He, um, uh, see, the problem with that was that there were so many things he had to leave out of that book. True. That he wasn't I to.
1: know, but Comedy Man Weekly ran for such a long time.
0: Can you imagine his original manuscript? You know, Ron, how many pages this original manuscript I was?
5: None of them. I heard it was a lot. I yeah, take a
0: guess. How many pages? And this is one sided, everybody. It's not double-sided. D- double sided. Yeah. Double spaced. The, you know, a
1: lot depends on how many lines he used on the page and right. how big the type was. and right. You
0: know? Pretty impressive number, though. It was it about 3,600? Yes. 3,600 <laughs> pages. I remember that. Yeah. And and that's huge. No matter how many words you put on a page. And he he said, I think it was like the first, you know those um. When he mailed it to Oxford, you know typically you would buy these mailing boxes to send a manuscript, and I think he said the um the letter A filled up just one box by itself.
5: God, that's a lot. That's a lot. And he sort of wondered about. It. it took
0: nine months for the uh for his um editor to get to him. Hey, I like the way he is on page whatever. You know, he's he walking through the letter A. Yep. But um, <laughs> but he said I had a. We'll pass the fall out the interview I did with John Dunny, But he said I had I had a heart. to heart talk with my editor. Uh, when he flew out to try to convince me to cut the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, I, I think he did it one time and a second time, and then the third time the editor tried to convince him to cut some things out. And that's when John, he said, this, this is what I need. This is what, this is all I, I want to go. And he said, okay, uh, we'll, we'll go with it.
5: But uh, there were things... Think of, the, think of the things we had to leave out that we'd like to know about.
0: Well, see, it's thing it was interesting, his editor wanted him to cut out anything that wasn't directly related to radio. For example, as uh, you look through the Mercury Theater write-up, um, he, John talked about the time where they uh, when they had the incident where they had to do the stage, the Mercury Theater stage, on the, not on the stage, but in the audience. He was trying to give a little background what this troop was all about. Mm-hmm. And he the editor said, that's not really related to radio, but he said, it's a great story. But he said, I, related. I think you need to know some background. And so they had to go back and forth. What what was directly related and what wasn't to radio, and John wanted at least Give some background to every show, if even though it didn't wasn't directly related to
5: the radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that that's really interesting. I I do I did download the book from Bard the other day, so I do have it again. I have I have two copies of it. I have a cassette copy and the uh, and the Bard, which is diff. They're different because they're different readers. Um, yep, I have read
0: the first one twice through, and I read the second one once through, so um, I'm indebted to John Dunning in a lot
5: of ways. I think we all should be. I yeah. Think we all should be. But I'd like the, I like wish they would put out In* yesterday on BARD. I really do, because they're different, and I mm-hmm. think we need them most. I think we need them most.
0: I like the style of the first one. I do too but Patricia you, you prefer the second book don't you Patricia
1: I'm a straight meat kid I don't even want potatoes with it and he gives highly specific information these are the dates these are the sponsors this is the cast da 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 and then we'll for most of them do a uh, description whereas the one you two like is um, it's, a, it, it's just prose it's a mm-hmm. uh, I like the oh, I'm struggling for words tonight good grief Um, and I, I would guess that for the two of you, it probably was incredibly easier
0: to read. It was. Well, it was a it was the first radio book I ever read. It was a very romantic side for a 10-year-old, 13-year-old boy boy to learn about radio reading that. Um, I, I love the second book because I am a meat and potato person. Generally, that's who I am. But the... Well, he, he John claimed that really you have to thank the the uh, publisher for coming up with the format of uh, putting everything like up, up front like that. He said, mm-hmm. I think in a way it helped save space the way they did it that way, he thought. It saves
5: my brain. I think that both of them are necessary. I really think we need both of them. You know what? I haven't, you I haven't used
1: read? on the, the um, tune in yesterday. This was also by John Dunning, who is a person we talk about frequently on this show. I have not used it an awful lot, but what I have looked for is duplicated in on the air, the encyclopedia of radio. I I think
0: the the encyclopedia is more the quintessential reference book. So if you want to look something up, that's the book I would Mm -hmm. grab.
1: That's yeah, but if I'm, if I'm looking for additional information, I haven't found anything additional in no. TuneIn yesterday, yeah. but the numbers of times I've used it is so minuscule compared to the numbers
5: of shows that are in there. Yeah. I don't know if that's true throughout. You know what the first radio book I ever read was? You tell me. What? It sounds impossible. What? It sounds impossible. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is the first radio i ever read. I,
1: I thought you were telling me it's going to sound impossible, but no. this is what I did. Oh, no. Oh, that's funny.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Did I- either of you come up with anything for Comic Weekly Man, which I insist on calling Comic Man Weekly? It's Comic Weekly, the weekly comics, and the man who reads them. All and I know. there's I know. nothing.
3: All I
0: know is Long Quark. With the, with, who was best known to be Nick Carter was the uh, was the man in in the show. Oh, really? Yeah, that. Well, and he remembers You've got you got more than anybody else. And he remembers doing that on a Saturday night.
5: Generally. Looked in the library. Um, have you looked in the library? Um, you... And
0: I I think there's a write up about it on the radio uh, the radio uh, first generation website. and they put out an issue? and they did um, a little research on, t- on their website but I don't remember if they ever did anything about Honey. I know one Clark talked about it because John Lurie talked to him about it um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and I think there was a uh, a panel that Larry has from FOTR that they discussed it and maybe we we'll have to get that, get the panel and uh, see if we can come up with who was Honey.
1: Yeah. It's such a- It's such a disappointment that people like us can't give an actress credit for doing such a wonderful job with a character. We don't even know who she was.
5: Well... There are a lot of programs
0: that... that... Shall we Google? Can we Google?
1: I'm Googling. I've got the same little piece of information that's copied all over the place. Comic Weekly Man ran from 1947 to whatever the
3: date. Right.
1: And he read comics... And that's the end.
3: <laughs> you know, we could
1: figure that out all by ourselves. But honey is such is such a sweet little girl. The
0: You think you recognize honey, her, you think you recognize hmm? that voice in other shows? No. Okay.
1: No. And you're so much more sensitive to voices than I, but it's so distinctive that oh and honey,
5: let's see. ooh. ooh um I've never, never heard one. Where can I find it?
1: Oh, you're talking to her. And I can even
5: Dropbox to you now.
0: Patricia got Dropbox.
5: And, oh, I don't have a Dropbox. I can do that. I don't have a Dropbox for you.
0: I know. Well, she can work with you on that.
1: I can work with you on that. And Walden can help us. That's right.
0: Or if you put it in my box tonight, Patric- I'll put it in his box tomorrow.
1: Okay, that would be great. So I've got I- a really nice collection. So if it's something that your ears smile over, I'd be happy to send more. I just love this show. He comes in, and he'll say, hello, 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 and however he says it, she mimics. And she'll come back and say, hello, 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 and he'll say, well, honey, how are you today? Well, I am fine. Thank you very much. And it's such an adorable repartee between the two of them.
5: I think I'm a kid. Well, what if I forgot. We, uh, what, if we, uh, what if we work on, on, on setting uh, an account up with, with her and I? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we can do that too. Yes. But I thought if you wanted to get the show to right away, I, I, I can go do that. But yeah, we can. and that probably would be
1: better anyway. I'll just drop box them to you, and you can forward them to yes. him.
5: Yeah. Well, you can do that. You would do that? You can do that. You can do whatever you want. But, but I think I'd like to set one up with you.
3: We, we might be able to do you, we, that.
0: We can, work on, we can work on that. Okay. All right. We can work
5: on that.
0: But Patricia, I can't believe it. My Patricia come a long way. She just incredible. Well, I'm proud of her.
5: Like
1: <laughs> I've got Dropbox. Yeah. I tried to set up a Dropbox account three different times. I know. The first time I put in my Hotmail address, and it accepted it and then kept rejecting me halfway through the process. Right. So the next time I went back, I tried it again, and then it came back and said, well, I'm sorry, Florida writer at hotmail.com is already used. Well, I know it's used. You gobbled it up. <laughs> so, so I tried another email, and I'm finally connected with it. And it's not for lack of wanting. I was thwarted.
0: You know, in I, I, I in about five years I know we're gonna have Patricia up on Skype. I just noticed. I think we'll she's gonna do it.
5: <laughs> in the next
0: five years. Yeah, in the next five years. I, I'm a patient okay. person.
5: The question I have for you, uh uh, Walden is uh, Patricia Well actually for you, Patricia. Do you have my email address?
1: Your email address?
5: Yes, I don't think you do. That, no, Walden can
1: can forward that to me.
5: Okay, he can forward it to you. And then, then you...
0: If I remember it, I don't remember it. What What is it? I've got a new one. Oh, okay. That's well, you you need to have my people talk to your people, because I think I don't have your new one. Oh,
5: you yeah. might. It's an Outlook address, is it? You have the Outlook one? I think no, you do. No, I do not. all okay. I, oh, I have the Gmail. You don't? You just have the Gmail? Yeah.
0: Okay. So, I need to... Your people and my people need to talk.
5: Okay. We need to work on that. Yeah.
0: We're, 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 we can, we'll we negotiate.
5: We if can you, do that. Then we... Yeah, because then we can uh, we can send to that. it's easy to accept an invitation to uh, to Dropbox. That's true. You do. I've done it. Um, so we could do that. Okay. Good. Good. Now let's get to let's get to the cut to the chase here. Um, last night we got the Archie Andrews. Thank you very much. Wow
0: it's a great show. For what? It's starting to. It started to. My best friends of old time radio, Bob and well, I
5: realize that. I realize that.
0: You're gonna. You're gonna so. trounce
1: on her memory,
0: just because you don't like the show. Well, I don't like the
5: show.
0: Well, I think.
1: I think you're. You're taking this for a walk on a leash, Walden.
0: Well, don't you know I'm trying you, to. Pull you, you know. Don't. Don't you, you know. Don't you know I'm trying to pull a chain,
1: Patricia. You know that. I. I believe I chose the hammock. Is that the. The show that I chose for Archie? Correct. Awful. Correct. That was a quintessential terrible show. Even if it were for kids, it's insulting. to. It was a terrible thing to give to kids. What kind of entertainment was that?
0: It lasted for 10 years.
1: It doesn't matter. It was terrible for 10 years. It was. It, it really was awful. Archie it, Andrews was a radio program that came up after, and and it was shaped after with the same characters as the Archie comics, and the writing was a younger child's version, or attempted to be a younger younger child's version of the Aldrich family, which was a really quality show. It was. And this this the Aldrich family. Yes. And I'm not really. Yeah. you No. Know, okay. I, I thought I thought you were going to say, Oh no, no, that one's terrible too. Uh, the Aldrich family. It's really one of my favorite shows. I just love the characters in that. Archie was a bomb from the get-go.
0: May I ask a question? The, yeah.
1: It, it was so bad that they had to had to prompt the kids to laugh and cheer in the audience. May I? That's ask... pretty bad when you get a, a live audience and the kids don't don't want to do this on their own, they have to be prompted
0: to laugh. May I ask a question?
5: What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the show was on for ten years.
5: Yeah.
0: in 1943.
5: Yeah. It was on for ten years.
0: In the summer of
5: 19- <laughs> That's what I said, right?
0: In the summer of 1948, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kraft Food picked it up and it was a summer replacement for the Great Girls Week. Did it sound as bad as the original? We have some of those shows, yes. We it did. does sound as bad. Yes. So, my question is why would Kraft do that?
3: I
1: do not know. They were advertising macaroni and cheese? Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: mean, a kid food. Grown ups like it. Wait too, a minute. But wait it's, I it's like macaroni food. and cheese. Yeah, as I said, it's a good grown up psychic too, but yeah. it's a kid food. Kids yeah. love macaroni and cheese. Yeah. So, but why they would choose that particular show? There had to be other kid shows. <laughs> well, I think mean, you Certainly, would there was at least one other kid show who he, would have appreciated he, Kraft he, as a sponsor. Yeah, but why
0: would they choose that to replace the Great yeah,
1: Sweep? Again, please? They did
0: that one to replace a night, they put nighttime to give a great guilty tonight the, the
1: summer off i think they did it to make everybody grateful that Gildersleeve was coming back <laughs>
0: there sometimes
5: is great method in madness either that either that or they were desperate so you
0: think or or, or how perry chose it for job security he wanted to make sure he wasn't going to be bumped off this, exactly okay. yeah
1: that
5: sounds
0: good
1: <laughs> that sounds good Yeah. Yes. Awful stuff. Well,
5: thank you, Ron. Oh. Um, we're we're on the same page this week, I take it. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Now, I found a very interesting program today. That, yes. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. I'm trying to think of the name of it right now, but forgot. <laughs> um, oh, right. finally. Yeah, good old what's his name? I'll never forget him. Wayside, Wayside Theater. Oh yeah.
1: That's a new one for me. Really? Mm-hmm. We have... There a, are millions out there. Millions, or, or as Carl millions millions. Sagan would say. Billions and billions.
5: This was pretty good.
1: And what was it?
5: Wayside Theater is the name of the program. It's a light comedy thing, like uh, pretty much like First uh, Nighter.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, it was a Chicago series. It was a... Uh, Chicago right, series? some... Esoteric dramas, Um some like comedy. Mm-hmm. Own Soleil was in it, and a lot of the shows we have. From, I
5: recognize
0: that voice. A lot of the, the dish we have is from his this that gave us for back. So. How, many, how
5: many are there? I only found seven of
0: them. And that's about what there is. Oh my. He didn't have. what I went through boxing up, that's about what there was around. Oh my,
5: only seven? Yeah.
1: Well, well, everyone is potential to be a Patricia victim because Olin Soule did a, uh, an audition program. Yes. The word "lucky" is in the title. That's but right. I
0: can't. Yes, it was one it, of the worst auditions of all times. Yes.
1: Really? Uh, okay. <laughs> yes, so that's going in the next batch. It, of because he started the guy who played
0: Captain Midnight, Bill Shusey and Olin Soule, they did like three or four auditions of the series called Lucky Something Else. And it basically features them as hobos. Yeah, he's
1: a, uh, Olin Soleil is a sophisticated gentleman who, for some reason, has wound up hoboing it. I think it was probably a life dream. And he hooks up with a hobo. Right. And the two of them just don't make it together. They, they don't play off each other. I was listening to some of the Bickersons today with Francis Langford and Don Amici. I mean, they were just magic. Whatever they said was a perfect play off the other one's lines. And there's nothing of sync. There's no syncing in it. It's it just, oh, it's well, bad. Well, now Ron, you'll love
0: it. Now you can see why there was several attempts for that survey. Several
1: auditions, I saw them. They Please, tr- would you look at it just one more time? Yeah,
0: that's what they did. They kept working on it, reworking it, to make, trying to make that show work.
5: Was, you know, I I, I, I don't recall
0: the dates on it. Do you? About 38 or so,
1: 37. Yeah, it was, it was pretty early. And, uh, least three
0: auditions, they tried.
1: Maybe you have. Yeah. You know, the sound quality is good. It's the show that stinks. Right. Really? Oh, my. Yeah, I mean, you're going to love it, Ron. Now, we're talking about the Friday night awful shows. Mm -hmm. Every Friday night, Patricia shows up with a show that never should have shown up. And we play a half an hour of really terrible radio. And then you'll like Ron Paul and say, "Mm, I don't agree with you. Or, gee, that was really awful. And she usually does pretty well. (laughs) <laughs> she usually does pretty. She she usually does an awful job. Yes. But once in a while, she misses the mark. Once in a while, oh, according to Ron, what? I have missed the mark. But what? I always have a justification, and I always ask people for their opinions because I know that I trounce loves once in a while. <laughs> Doctor Sixgun was one of them.
5: Yes, correct. And it it was not the program,
1: it was the scripting for that particular episode.
0: Honestly, I think we should have a subseries once in a while. Patricia takes on the sacred cows of old-time radio.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have taken on a couple, yes. (laughs) Uh, Everything that's really good and superb in old-time radio had a bomb in there somewhere. I haven't found a really awful one in Fibber McGee and Molly. Okay. okay. most programs. Well, me, one one night we played a suspense, and it it just didn't make the grade
3: okay, for well,
1: suspense. And of course, suspense was
0: May, one I, of may the, I may I flip the coin on this one?
1: Yes.
0: You said every yes. great series case we have a bomb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let me do it this way. Are there any series that considered Terrific, but you think you think all of them are just not very well, even though most people think they're terrific.
1: Oh, well, I don't know about most people.
0: Well, okay, Patricia.
1: Yes, Walden. Well, okay, <laughs> Patricia. Yeah, we want to know I hate you. Mr. President, and that was one of the best oh, shows on radio. Well acted, well researched. Uh, they they took some liberties along the way, but in when you're trying to wrap history in a half an hour show, it's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Well, but I hate guessing games. I hate guessing games. You're so supposed so, to guess who the president is before you get to the end of the show. I hate it when people call and say, "Guess who?" I don't mean, you know, on this show, and, and, and just any time when I pick up the phone and somebody says, "Guess who?" I say, "I don't care." <laughs> 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 I mean, and I just hate guessing games. It's just part of yeah, so, personality okay. quirk on okay. my part. But so see, I, I I'm not in love with Mr. President. But I see. I don't think that
0: qualifies.
1: I don't either. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, because he's not one of the great top. 30, 40 shows of all time. I'm just thinking. Oh okay. well, I, I, mean, we've
1: we've got ten thousand to choose from. I no, know. I don't think it's I I don't think it's up there. But the research
5: apparently was was quite good. Right. It was, and I think that uh, I got to tell you, I think that uh, part of the, the the charm of the program for me was guessing who the president was. I really enjoyed that. And a lot of people enjoy that. They, they say, oh, I recognize that.
1: Oh, oh, that's a good clue. I don't want clues. I want to know the answer, you okay,
3: know?
0: Okay, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. May I ask a really big question here? As long as it's not guess who. Well, yes, because you, you, you say you don't like guessing games, right? Mm, no. Okay. Why? Well, it depends on well,
3: what.
1: Tell me what you're going
0: why? toward. Why? Yeah, I'm setting a trap here.
1: Yeah, I figured. <laughs> why, why? Why wouldn't that surprise me?
0: Yeah, well, you know, you, we've been together long enough. You know me, so I won't. I don't bite too hard.
1: Okay, where's my trap?
0: Why do you love detective and mystery books so much? Oh, In that's it?
1: not a guess who. That's an unravel a mystery. That's not a, That's not a guess. That's. That's there's a, there's a, a Sherlock Holmes will say. Okay, you've got to eliminate all, all the things that it cannot possibly be, and what's left is the answer of what is. So, no, it's 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 not a puzzle.
3: Mm-mm.
1: So it's
0: if a somebody called you said, if somebody said, "Hi, this is not Fred. How are you doing today?" Then that would. Bother. If
1: somebody called and said
0: what? Hi, this is not Fred. Yeah. And you have a conversation with you.
1: So they didn't ask no, you he say- wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm no,
3: good. no.
1: Allow me to reiterate or iterate. I, I looked at the difference between iterate and reiterate. And I think iterate is say it again. And reiterate is to say it a third time. In any event, I am iterating, reiterating. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that.
3: Oh, my. Well, I'm just trying to
0: figure out how can we transfer no, we, that into other parts
1: of your life.
3: We, 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 we don't have to do that. Okay.
1: <laughs> we, we really can manage to get to the end of life without it. I'm not having a good time without chocolate, but
5: I can live without this. Oh, my. Well, you know, I, by the way, um, I need to go another direction here for a second I didn't realize until the other day and I was reminded of this by Jim Taylor by the way that John Dunning had written some, some detective book mysteries
1: oh gosh yes
5: and I thought it he got nine how, no
1: no that was um, Elliot Lewis who did that how many seven. how many does um, Dunning have out
5: Walden well,
1: five something like that
5: I have six six out of six mm-hmm. and um I have them. I haven't read them yet, but I, I pulled them the other day.
1: Cool. Well, your job is to uh, – see, now, Jim is doing book reports for us. I would like you to do a book report without giving away the ending, but an opinion piece.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jim what, said what if he gets think. in tonight, he got the book done that he read about Bobby Fischer for us.
3: Yes. oh really
1: yeah. oh great bobby fisher the chess player
0: yep and then next week he got he's already he read the book on the water, so he was going to give his book report for that oh my goodness
5: this is great he yeah. told me about that that he read that we talked about that yesterday and he has some very interesting opinions on that i'm sure you'll you'll find them interesting good um so yeah i'll do that i'll, I'll read one of these very soon here and uh, and let you know
0: They hit the book club of yesterday USA. <laughs> a, yes. We
5: do these things
0: every once oh, in a while. We do. Oh yeah, and it's all good. I mean, after all, our Patricia just read Huckleberry Fan here the last eighteen months or so, so we're, we're, I know. I have missed
1: out on so much. And what's your <laughs> feeling
0: what, what if you're feeling now on Mark Twain? You've read we've read both Huckleberry and Tom Sawyer. What's your mm-hmm. what's your opinion? And I read is? a couple of
1: a couple of others as well
0: so what what's you what you're thinking of uh, on
1: I really enjoyed it. I'm sure there are some works that I would set aside in in favor of some other stuff, but what I've read so far is really cool great,
0: great. so do you do you would you say is part of the Americana classic?
1: your definition of Americana classic?
0: Well, I'm thinking it's one of the great... Huckleberry fan is probably considered, you know, some historians probably considered the great American novel.
1: Well, (laughs) maybe not the, but one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it, it, it was. It was. It was... I'll have to ponder my comments on this. It was a great snapshot of American children's minds, how how kids' minds can go into overdrive and have such exciting adventures. I think probably Samuel Clements never grew up. Part of him never grew up. You may right. Yeah, and he could reach in and, and actually behave like a kid in his writing, and that's what made it seem so real and fun. That's
5: fascinating. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. So that's your assignment. I'll work on that. I'm not sure exactly when I can get to it. I've got some other stuff on the table here, but I'll do it as soon as I can here, uh, because I have it here and I'm I pulled it from Bard so I don't have to send it back.
3: That's all good.
1: Okay. I packed up a box for
0: you today. Uh oh. <laughs> we get and we and we packed up a box for you here. And the other day. And uh Uh, We're running up the jury place here, so stand by, Ron. The boxes will be falling from the sky.
5: I got one the other day, by the
0: way. Well, good. Good. Well, you're going to get... I
5: think the the count now is 32.
1: Well, just brace yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Start clearing out some space for me. Oh, brother. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to help.
5: Uh-huh. Oh, no. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, oh yes. Oh, oh yeah. My.
5: Oh, yes. Oh, my. No, well, no, that's too. taking revenge on me. Is that it? Hmm? <laughs> Everybody's taking revenge on me. Well,
0: you, you, you're the one with the biggest house in the family, so we're we'll going to, go to pack, it, pack it with stuff.
1: That's all. He's got the biggest house, so when we make our grand tour of we, the country, he's we, got room for us. Yeah, we, we well, not you. anymore. We filled it we up. It up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any room left. It's full of boxes. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> okay, wow. we'll let you know. Okay, well, you behave yourself during the week, and I will drop some um, Comic Weekly Man Shows in
5: Walden's Dropbox, and he'll get them to you. I will thank you and thank him, and and then as I say, we do need to set this set one up so that we can do this ourselves, and um, because there are probably things I can send you. Cool.
0: Everybody wants to so, help okay. Patricia.
5: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's, well, you have yourself a great week, and stay dry and stay safe. I'll try, and we're we're heating up here. We're probably. We're probably up around 90 today with very high humidity, so it was pretty warm today here. But summer.
0: summer has arrived.
5: Yes, it has.
0: Finally, <laughs> 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 All
5: right, you guys take care. You too. Ron. See you next week. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye.
0: It will be August 1 next week. We're waiting to see if we have a special live guest on August 8. I haven't. I don't have confirmation yet uh, we're hoping to have the writer of Dick Tracy, uh, on August 8th, and it's Jimmy Weldon in town, August the 15th, but haven't have confirmation, I've just sent the invite, but you know, you know, stuff like that there,
4: and, hello little Carl, you're on there. Hello, Weldon, hello, Patricia. Hello, Jim. Oh, well,
1: hi, Jim in California, how are you?
4: I'm fine, first of all, before I can... Continue, walter Thank you for giving me the information, the sad information today. No
0: problem, Jimmy. You, you. I thought about telling you a week or so ago to what you know that I was coming close, but uh, I thought, you know, we just don't know. So, um, so I just thought I would wait until I had the confirmation about it this afternoon.
4: So. All right. I, I don't know if listeners know. Have you told listeners yet, or? Uh, I, I,
0: I waited. We had a live guest at the top of the show, so I waited till after. Uh, Bill Grime uh, left us, and I mentioned that we lost Peg last night, and I just thought. Uh,
4: well, 98 was a ripe age, and she was certainly active to the end. My, 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 the thing I remember most about her was the impact she had on my mother. She loved Ethel and Albert and the couple next door, and got really enjoyed meeting her at the Spurback Convention when she was there in '92. And she told me, even after my mom had her stroke and she had a lot of memory loss, when I saw her in the uh, nursing place she was and in the hospital in one of our conversations, she still remembered that very well. That's one thing that stayed in her memory, meeting her and remembering that radio program. So even after she lost a lot of her memory, she still remembered that, and she obviously had an impact on my mother.
0: You know, I I thought it was interesting... um Peg told John Larry and I something last fall, when Polly Bear had a stroke, um, and Polly lost the ability to speak. Um, I don't know if more people knew that, and he, for the last four or five years, couldn't really speak. But Peg would call him every Sunday, alternate Sunday, and get to talk to him and just have him laugh. He could still laugh, and so that's one thing she always did it because they worked together so beautifully when they go went over the country do the couple next door or, or Ethel and Albert, but that was
1: What a sweet thing yeah, to do yeah,
0: she yeah. just and um his, it was so sad because Polly's wife had a stroke, so she wasn't really commutative so but it was just way of Peg being in touch she just wanted to mm. give Peg give Polly some chuckles.
4: And it was it was, such, it was such a warm-hearted radio show. I mean, and you know, you know, some people say, how can you do a story about, say, lost car keys? And it wasn't so much the situation that 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 made the show stand out. It was her dialogue between her and him. It was a dialogue. She just had an amazing ability to do this dialogue and can turn what may seem like an ordinary situation into something truly funny. Mhm. It
0: definitely had a Midwest flavor about it. I think, um, I enjoyed it. My mom loved it. Uh, I think, I think because Pig was from the Midwest, I think it had a lot of Midwestern characteristics to it. And,
4: um... She wrote it all herself, everything. Yeah. And I understand, didn't she say in an interview, she did her writing like at four in the morning or something?
0: I wouldn't be surprised.
4: Um, she, she, um, she didn't, um... They, they, they even had it on television for a while in the 50s as a feature on the Kate Smith show, and later she was on. She even did short skits on Monitor in the early 60s, 63 to 65. And I heard her say in one of your earlier interviews with her, I think it was you, or maybe have been, it may have been Hartford, that when it was on television. One season, it was a summer replacement for December Bride. Mm-hmm. actually got higher ratings than December Bride did.
0: And I, I think we should well uh, know her aunt on the show was
4: uh,
0: Margaret Hamilton. Who? Margaret Hamilton was her aunt. Real aunt? Yeah, well, well was her aunt on the radio show. Oh, that's right. I
3: forgot yeah. that.
0: And, of course, more people would remember that. Margaret Hamilton being the Wicked Witch in the Wizard of Oz. Oh but, yes. But but she, f- for a good long time, played her Aunt Effie on the show, and that would a a character that they wrote in.
4: And it was funny because, uh, and she, my mother liked Aunt Effie so much because she she reminded her so much of her mother. Uh, and Effie would say things like, when they would be planning a trip out and they were debating whether to go or not, and she says, well, you don't have to take me. I can just stay home. I don't mind being left alone, knowing darn well that they're, they're, they're not going to leave her at home. You know, she would say things like that.
0: Well, here's the thing that Peg mentioned that the interplay of Ethel and Albert was based upon the interplay of her and her mom.
4: Because uh-huh. she
0: lost her dad.
4: In the horrible flu uh, epidemic. And,
0: yeah, I mean, very young. And she uh, and she didn't get married until late, late 1948, so... Here, she was trying to write a husband-wife comedy, situation comedy series. And basically, she said, I, uh, you know, basically the relationship or the interplay was sort of like what my mom and I would have. And so she was basing the dialogue somewhat and, and just transferring it over.
4: And, yes, yes, indeed. And, of course, uh, I found it interesting that uh, when she played on The Couple Next Door, I guess because NBC or ABC had the copyright name of Ethel and Albert, they couldn't use that, and they became Mr. and Mrs. Piper, no first names on either person, just Mr. and Mrs. Piper.
0: Well, it could it could have been maybe when she was her, Kate Smith, maybe they couldn't get a release of the name yet, and that's why they had to go.
4: And I uh, guess. To each other as dear, they just referred yeah. to each other as dear on the, on the couple next door, but it was a. Again, a very warm-hearted show, and she later even tried to... Re- well, she revived it for a brief time on NPR in 73. And then uh, they had that sh- attempt to revive serials in the mid-70s, and one of the four was called The Little Things in Life that she did with Robert Dryden.
0: It also was adapted in other languages.
4: Right, and then uh, at the conventions, she and Parley made a wonderful team. They did. Albert. Yeah, just absolutely great. Yeah. Well, let's see. A couple of things before I get to my book review. Uh... Mixed opinions, Patricia, on Tune In Yesterday versus On the Air. I I like both books. They're just absolutely required for any old-time radio fan. Mm -hmm. The thing about Tune In Yesterday is it it had more of a narrative style. Yes. Uh, Well, both books did. But there was a, I guess you kind of like the first book you read on the subject. And that's very important and you you enjoy that, and um, you think about the um, uh, characters you do, and uh, you you like the references, there are some differences uh, on a couple of shows, and one that stands out, The Cavalcade of America. There Mm -hmm. are things in the first book that weren't in the second book, and there are some things in the second book that weren't in the first book. So you learn something by reading both books.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: So um, the narrative
1: oh, style is, is relaxation reading. And when I'm looking for information, I appreciate the, uh, almost, the it, it's an almost academic style of the presentation of the nuts and bolts of the show. And then he goes into a narrative about the show, and I really appreciate the nuts and bolts up front. So that that puts on the air the encyclopedia of old-time radio on the top of the two for me.
4: Well, for example, I'll, I'll give you what I mean about the two examples of Cavalcade. In mm-hmm. yes, I'm
1: sorry, I interrupted
4: you. I apologize. Yeah. That, huh. Okay. I'm tuning in yesterday. She ta- he talks about on Cavalcade of America how uh, listeners were able—they were doing a story about Lincoln's funeral train—and mm-hmm. a listener was able to spot that, that when they used a sound effect record, they used elect, uh, uh, the brakes of the train were like uh, you know automatic brakes—and a listener pointed out to the Cavalcade producers that th- that type of train did not exist when Lincoln's funeral took place. And the listeners spotted that, and they corrected, I guess, that in future shows. And in the second book, we learned about the reason for DuPont creating Cavalcade, because of the the their dealings with munitions in World War One, and apparently they mm-hmm. were considered, you know, guilty of you know, like war profiteering and the like. And it was a good public relations thing for DuPont to create the series. And that wasn't in this first book, and the train incident wasn't in the second book.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So you learn things from both books. Um,
1: oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's, it's almost exclusively, I will say, exclusively, the presentation of the information. Are you surprised, I
0: Patricia? Presentation
1: that? in the encyclopedia of old time radio with all the nuts and bolts up front, the cast, the dates,
4: Oh, the, the, the surprised?
1: I really appreciate that. I don't want when I'm looking for that kind of information, I don't want to have to read a couple of paragraphs in order to glean what I can get up front in the encyclopedia.
4: Well, so, for example, I'm, you used you did use tune in yesterday for your on your awful show, you used Tune In Yesterday for your reference of Danger Doctor Danfield. How I Did you see
3: that?
4: Yeah, you quoted oh. Tune in yesterday for that one. You know the one about Secretary Rusty. Uh-huh. And how stereotyped she was and you quoted Tune In Yesterday for that one. I don't remember what yeah,
1: you, I hope I didn't misquote and use the wrong book. Or or cite the
4: wrong book. Well you Either used way, it was for the same author.
0: I guess we're going to have to grade your, your presentation, Patricia. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but but they're, they're both great books, and I, I hope someday, like Ron, they will put Tune In Yesterday on Bard as well. Well, they, I, I, he,
0: I thought it was interesting that John Dunning told me Oxford was ecstatic through three runs, and I don't know how many runs now, but through the first three runs, they have sold over 8,000 copies of On The Air, and I, I'm thinking... For an academic style book, that's, that that gotta feel pretty good.
4: Oh yeah, and I can imagine just how thrilled John Dunning must have been when 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 he was telling John and Larry, and I guess later he told you,
3: mm-hmm.
4: when he said and they turned, they he, he sent them the letter A first, right, which was about a hundred pages, and they bought it immediately just with the letter A. Don't you imagine how that must have thrilled him? But
0: if he said i hope I'm dead the time I get around writing, writing the third volume of the book. He doesn't want to. He couldn't see himself writing another version of, his, of the book.
4: Yeah, he, he even he said he said the the editor, Mr. Meyer, told him they couldn't do two volumes. They, it was originally when he finally sent it into them, it was 3,600 pages. Uh, I still wish he could have had the whole book because I'm sure there were series that were left out. that he cut it? By...
0: Trisha and I were talking about tonight. She can't find Comic Weekly Man in the book.
4: Yeah. I can't find it anywhere. Is it in TuneIn yesterday? Nope. Not. It's nowhere. I
1: mean, no, let me no. go check Tune In yesterday. But because it was, it, it's such a long-running show, at least I would have thought maybe dates and actors.
4: Well, but for example, uh, some uh, another one that was not in On the Air, and I don't remember about In yesterday, but another one of your awful shows, I didn't see Diarrhea Fate in On the Air. Ah. Uh, it wasn't in. I
1: her. think, I think I pulled A Diary of
4: Fame.
0: Well, maybe this is, maybe this is, maybe this is Patricia yet. calling. She needs to write the awful show book.
4: That's an idea. So,
0: you know, <laughs> the book, the, the show
4: that they're book. Opinion. <laughs> Here are the
1: things that never should be.
4: <laughs> but there are, but, but then people have written books on awful movies. Yeah, the, the, I think Patricia could be, books she, this,
0: expect, Patricia, this could be your first, your first, published book. Yeah. Awfulness.
4: <laughs> well, right. I do have I one. realize awful is subjective. And the, the, the only thing uh, as part of your prejudice too about Mr. President, the fact that you said you were not a fan of at least voice-wise of Edward Arnold? I'm,
1: I'm not too crazy about
4: his voice. But the, the same two, way. it's Pardon? I feel the same way about Frank Lovejoy. I mean his voice. Yeah. Off kind of,
1: right? I, I would, you know, all right, this, Walden, am I going to get punished?
0: No, no. I, I'll protect you. I, I, I vow to protect you of all, all time.
1: I'm going to get fun poked at me. I would actually prefer to listen to Frank Lovejoy than Eddie Arnold. Oh, wow. I know. I know. And it,
0: it, well, you know what, but you I know, can't tell you. I can't tell you, why. you know what, uh, though? Maybe if his laugh. Because uh, probably be said sometimes Edward Arnold would get in the laughing spell and the show couldn't control himself. And you could hear that in his no. voice. No, it's And, it's
4: and, and again, you voice. don't like the fact that the president is not named at the beginning of the show. And I, I still think on that point, I don't think the show would have had the same impact had they named the presidents. Because I think if they'd done a show, say, on Millard Fillmore... Lincoln would have, you know, people would have listened to Lincoln, they would have listened to Washington, maybe uh, Jackson, but someone like, say, Millard Fillmore, or maybe um, uh, Chester Arthur, I don't know if it would have, if listeners would have stayed, with. Yeah. oh, I don't or,
3: know. Or, or oh.
0: Jim, do you think of it this way, Cavalcade America did that with President, that you knew who they were when they were doing a profile?
4: Uh, well, I mm-hmm. guess, I guess the whole idea of the show was the guessing game, It's why the show was... Created, I suppose. Um, Yeah, it
1: it was a shtick.
4: Well, there were some other things that were minor.
1: Miss Sarah,
4: secretary. I know most presidents did not have women secretaries in the 1800s or 1700s. You know.
1: No, nobody had women secretaries. Um, But George Washington had one in one of these
4: shows. A woman. Okay. Well, maybe. I mean, not, you don't you, you really didn't hear about their secretaries in the 1800s. No,
1: no. And they, they did a whole Mr. President about George Washington built on the visit of his rambunctious niece who yes. lived with him for a while. And it was the secretary who did the commentary and the advice to the president on how to handle this situation. Where was Martha?
4: I liked the show. I mean, I I don't know. I haven't it was, decided it was a good show. I haven't really put together my top yeah. favorites. I mean, it was a, I, I knew
1: I, it was it was a good show because I knew from the title it was about George Washington.
4: Yeah. Okay. I
1: don't have any. Let's uh, erase that. I don't have no, as a, much
4: are recall understood? to attach
1: I, information to a president when I don't know upfront who it is. When I got to a, the end of George...
4: Good ...Friday, and you almost knew right from the beginning it was Lincoln because of him going to Forbes that night. I think there was one about Good Friday or something. And you knew that was, you know, you could tell it was Lincoln. I mean, you, you know, well, we're going to the theater tonight, and, you, you know, you obviously knew what direction it was going and everything. Uh, it was a, a good, sh- I mean, I, it, would, it was in my, um, it was certainly, if you like history... I think a lot of people would have liked the show. I didn't think it was, uh, And then, but then I thought Cavalcade was a good series. I like Stroke of Fate, the 13 shows that NBC did in 53 where they did Reverse History. Check that one out, Patricia. You'll see what you think. Have you heard Stroke of Fate yet? No. They were 13 shows and they dealt with such subjects as the first show dealt with what if Robert E. Lee had accepted Lincoln's offer and commanded the Union Army. And it oh, had, I have heard some of those shows. Might have happened. Yes. And the, third, the second show dealt with Queen Elizabeth and the Earl of Essex. The third show, which was the one that introduced me to Stroke of Faith, what if Alexander Hamilton had killed Aaron Burr? Mm-hmm.
1: I, that, and that's one I heard.
4: You did hear that one.
1: I did hear that one, and I heard the Grant and Lee one, but I don't know why. Why would I have heard that? I don't remember what the... I didn't what did recognize of... Stroke of Fate, but I recognized the two shows that you just mentioned.
4: What did you think of that one?
1: I thought they were excellent.
4: And there's always – con- there were legitimate historians were consultants because a historian would always speak at the end. Mm-hmm. And it was a New York cast, people like Alexander Scorby and Kermit Murdoch and all the great New York people were in the show. Uh, it only lasted 13 weeks. I don't know if that if it was because of low ratings or no sponsor, or any radio show in 1953 would have had difficulty. But it was a it was a nice, I mean, it was a well done historic show. And I always like to read books about history being reversed. Uh, I like the Stephen King book. Normally, I'm not into Stephen King's horror shows. But he did um, horror shows books. But he did a book a few years ago called 12263 about a man who has an opportunity to go back in time and try to save President Kennedy. And it's an excellent story. I mean, the character, uh, I won't tell you how it came out, but it was a, but, but I know there have been, there was a book that Jeff Greenfield wrote about if certain presidential elections had been reversed, what might have happened, and that kind of thing has always interested me. And now it's time for my, I think I'll give you my review of the book.
0: Hold on, let's make sure Patricia, uh, Patricia, you know? I, th- I think I'm here.
4: Yeah. Am I
1: still here?
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. I had to switch over. Uh, I, I have phone woes this week. Okay. Again. I'm sorry. I, I'll tell you what I think might have helped lead to the demise of the show or not extended. If I saw a stroke of fate as the title of a show, I would have bypassed. Are we here? I would have bypassed it as um, a show like Diary of Fate.
4: Yeah, but it's a t- totally different show, uh, and there were only 13. Um, but I think, and there was there was one, for example, about. Uh, the Alaska Purchase, What If We Had Not Purchased Alaska? Oh,
1: Seward's Folly,
4: yeah. Yeah, there was one about if we, if France and England had used force against Hitler in 1936 when he enacts the Rhineland. There was one about uh, if, if the US had actually had a submarine, which was on the verge of being built during the Revolutionary War. The last one was, what if William the Conqueror had not conquered England? Uh, And there's one about Cleopatra, what if she had married Julius Caesar? Uh, So it was an excellent series, and I I would recommend you listen to Stroke of Fate. Well, let's see. The book I'm going to talk to you about tonight is called Endgame, Bobby Bobby Fisher's Remarkable Rise and Fall from America's Greatest Prodigy to the Edge of Madness. By Frank Brady. It's 402 pages. It's published by Crown, a division of Random House. Frank Brady had had written a book, a biography of Orson Wells, earlier called Citizen Wells. He knew Bobby Fischer because Frank Brady was a chess player himself. Bobby was a very troubled person. Apparently, he was born in Chicago. His mother was in a shelter when he was born. They later moved to New York and they lived in Brooklyn. He became a chess fan at a very early age, became very good at chess. He was in tournaments as a child and in as a teenager, he was, uh, many people thought he was too young and he couldn't really be that good, but he was, he was just amazing. Many Americans first truly became aware of him. He kind of put chess on the map in 1972 when he beat Boris Spotsky. The Soviet champ in their famous World Chess Championship in Reykjavik, Iceland, um, and he was considered—it was considered a great victory for the United States in, in the midst of the Cold War. President Nixon even wrote Bobby Fischer a letter congratulating him on his victory. And Henry—he during the tournament he often would go into tantrums and threaten not to play. He even got notes from Henry Kissinger encouraging him to keep up to playing uh after the chess championship in 72 also he was a he was a bible student he he was a member of a of a religious group and i'll I'll keep the group nameless because many people may agree with this group and i won't name the group because i don't want to offend anybody but the group he was in had an apocalyptic view of the way the world would end and he contributed money to this church uh when the founder's predictions didn't come true in the 1970s, he became very disillusioned. Also, when he, he filed a suit against, well, for example, people wanted him to promote his chess ability. One company wanted him to produce a record album where he gave chess instructions. He didn't like the sound of his own voice on tape but yet he didn't like professional narrators doing it either, so the, re- the record album never came about. He wrote some books on chess that were fairly popular. In 1977, or seven, late 76, he filed a suit against Time Incorporated for some, I guess, some things they had written about him. The federal judge threw out the suit. After that, Bobby became an embittered, he became very embittered against the United States and its government, because he believed the United States government and the judge were in cahoots with time. He refused to pay taxes after that in the United States. He later went all around the world. He really got alienated with the government in nineteen, in the early 1990s when he played a chess match in Montenegro, which was, of course, part of Yugoslavia, at that time, they were having all those Bosnian things and all those all those problems, and the United States said he could not go over there, so he broke U.S. law by playing in this tournament, and he sort of became a fugitive from justice. He became a, a staunch critic of the United States and its government. He would denounce the country on websites. His most bitter denunciation came on September 11th of 2001, he said in a, in a posting on the Internet that he was very happy that the United States had been attacked and they deserved what they got. He, uh, he said he was happy about it. He urged the military to overthrow the U.S. government and put sane people in. Um, he went in various places. He was arrested at, in Japan at one point. There were efforts to extradite him back to the U.S., but he, his lawyers were able to get him out of that. Finally, he ended up in Iceland. Iceland took him in as a, uh, as a uh, you know, I guess, refugee or person. It's ironic, he and Boris Spotsky later became very good friends after, after the ch- chess tournament. He didn't believe in doctors. When, when he was finally ill with adrenal and kidney problems, the doctors urged him to take certain treatments and exams and dialysis, and he wouldn't do it. Uh, He was in the hospital briefly and the nurse, the staff finally said they couldn't keep him in the hospital if they wouldn't, uh, if he wouldn't go along with treatments. and he died, I guess you could say alone in Iceland on January 17th of 2008. Uh, He was buried in Iceland. There was some questions to whether he had fathered a certain child that wanted um, some of his money. Of, and they, they did some DNA tests and found he was not the father. He was a very, very troubled man, but yet a genius. I guess you could say, in many cases, geniuses and madness kind of coincide. Um,
0: How old was he when he passed away? I missed uh, the, well, he
4: was born in 43. So, let's see, that would have made him... 65? Yeah. 60, well, 65, I guess, almost 64, almost 65. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, very a very troubled man uh, his September 11th comments of course alienated many people in the United States who had supported him but um, a very troubled man but a very well written book I don't know all the intricacies of chess so there were some, perhaps some details that maybe, maybe the book drug at times I will give the book three stars out of four very well written though three out of four is a good
1: deal
4: any comments?
1: I, I,
0: I knew he was a recluse. I knew there was always... He was sort of... People wondered what happened to him in the 70s. Yeah. You know, I remember that. Yeah. I didn't realize he passed away in 208. So I, I, that was a new piece of information. Well, yeah. what else is I knew he had
1: a very troubled life. Um, and it, it's interesting, your comment, Jim. Oscar Levant, one of my quotes from Oscar Levant is that there's a fine line between genius and insanity and I have in, I
4: have erased that line well I'm thinking and, of, when I thought about it I thought about Van Gogh you know ah, artist, interesting you know, having, having yeah. his ear cut off mm-hmm. I mean that's you know he obviously was a genius with with the paintbrush but to cut off your own ear I yeah mean,
0: when did Bobby beat the computer
4: you know, I don't remember. I have to think about that.
0: Oh, what I'm trying to remember, you know, I remember when he won the term in the 72, that put him on the map. But was there anything before then?
4: Oh, yeah, that, many of them, yeah. What, what, oh, so, yeah.
0: Okay, so people knew of him before oh, 72. Uh, yes.
4: okay. And attracted that much attention. Oh, in oh, his September 11th rant, he said, I did more for America than anybody else. He said... He said, I put, uh, he used some bad words, of course, I won't say those, but he also added, before then, America was a football nation, a baseball nation, but chess is intellectual, and I, 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 may, I put chess on the map in the United States, and he was just, again, a very, a very troubled man, um, and it's it just hard, you know, it, it's hard to know, to judge the man, but he was just, he was just uh, yeah. very complicated. I think that's a good word. Yeah. Next week, or the following, whenever I can, I'm going to be doing the book I told you called Letter Perfect, about the letters and their evolution.
1: Excellent.
4: That's one I think you will really enjoy. I I know you'll enjoy that one.
1: I will enjoy that one. The question is, did you enjoy
4: it? Yeah, I I think I will. I've read part of it, but I wanted to reread it and keep my memory straight. I've read... Part of it already, but I just want to, sometimes I reread things to keep my memory straight and focused, especially if it's a long book like that. Yeah. I I still only wish you could have gotten your breakfast book.
1: Eventually, the price will come in line, and there will be secondhand sellers with it. Well, if you can
0: find the publisher, I'll contact the publisher, Patricia. Yeah.
4: (laughs) We'll have um, Uh, an interview. uh, Yeah, Um, yeah. Oh, oh, another thing on the Bobby Fischer thing, there was a movie that came out, a theatrical film in the late 90s called Searching for Bobby Fischer about a little boy who wanted to be a chess star. It had nothing to do with Bobby Fischer, but his name was in the title, and uh, Bobby Fischer filed a complaint about his name not being used or not getting paid for using his money, but he lost that too because the argument went, if if he's a public figure, then you know he, his name can be used.
1: Yeah. yeah, it really was a sad commentary. I I read a little bit about Bobby Fischer over time, and he, just by the teaspoonful, you you get the whole gallon. I get teaspoonfuls, and it just it was such a sadness I felt for him, because I know his brilliance, as you said, his brilliance separated him from the rest of the world. And it must be exceedingly lonely to have that kind of separation.
4: And when you put your passion into one thing, one pursuit, one thing, yes. I, I mean, and chess, as I understand it, is a very, I mean, it's an art play, playing the game. I mean, using the board and the right moves and the, I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I remember, I've never played chess. I, I remember having pegboards as a child in school yeah. And I always think about I had trouble just putting pegs in holes, and I couldn't even imagine, you know, uh, uh, using the board and putting the pieces in a certain yeah. order. Yeah.
3: You
1: have to have a very good memory and be able to think ahead very far. The what ifs. If he, you know, if if, if your opponent has eight moves, your brain has to come up with your eight responses before he makes that move. So. It, it's an intriguing game.
4: Another thing of books, I have heard this in the last week or two, and Walden mentioned this a few months ago to me. Harper Lee has finally written her long awaited second novel.
1: Well, they finally found it. I think they found it in her attic,
4: <clears throat> and it's been and how published many years now. Ago. Have Pardon? you seen any reviews of it or anything on it?
1: I saw something in the New York Times, but. I can't
4: recall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean
1: nothing's
4: nothing's going to match to kill a Mockingbird. Right. Well this but, apparently um, carries on the story with Attica Finch years later, uh, when Har when she was a college mm-hmm.
3: student.
4: I did read a book about Harper Lee this year called Mockingbird, a biography of her and it was very interesting reading about her child in in her in Alabama. Her friendship with Truman Capote. And by the way mm-hmm. it chapter and you know, she helped Truman Capote when he was writing, researching In Cold Blood, that murder case in Kansas in nineteen fifty uh-huh. Harper Lee went to Kansas with him to assist him in research. And, and I'm not belittling Truman Capote, his voice, or his personality, but can you imagine how the people of western Kansas must have reacted when they first saw him? Uh, he was
1: an unusual character. You're right.
4: And... It was Harper Lee that turned the, the chief police investigator on to cooperating, because Truman had failed miserably, and she helped him with the research. She, she even helped interview when he became friends with the two killers before their execution. She helped him in interviewing them. And uh, sadly, when the book came out, when In Cold Blood came out, and it was for a crime book, it was a very well-written crime book. I know, I know true crime isn't one of your favorite subjects. I know but it was a well-written book and he was able to put the characters not only of the town of holcomb together but the killers but he he dedicated the book to her but in the acknowledgements he didn't mention her and i understand she was very they remained friends but she was hurt that he did not acknowledge her help more in promoting the book Mm-hmm. it didn't end their friendship but it affected it
1: yeah yeah I don't have any problem with true crime.
4: I truly don't, uh, there is as long a, as there's a puzzle in it. I know you're not a fan of Dragnet and those police shows.
1: No, no. And, gee, I'm going to have to make out a list of my unfavorite shows and come up with justifications <laughs> for not liking them. I, mean, you
4: know, I, I know your comment on Dragnet was one time, I can read it in my newspaper every day.
1: I I know. it's it. There are such painful situations that are frequently addressed in uh, I'm in, just going to say Gunspunk in Dragnet that you know if I, if I wanted to listen to this and have my heart hurt I could just watch the news on television so I, I don't get any pleasure out of Dragnet that's the best I can I can
4: put. And, and you feel similar about shows like Gangbusters and uh, This is Your Gangbusters episode. I think is just no, Gangbusters
1: <laughs> well, is
4: the show. I'll have to go I, I, listen to Gangbusters. Morning. I guess this week is, would have been Stacy Harris's birthday, and he, Max Mead, this morning played. He what? He said he he played an escape that Stacey Harris was in, but he commented on, "This is your FBI," and he talked about it was the FBI show approved by Hoover. And he was not a great fan of this is your FBI. He said that he thought many of the shows he used a c word to describe the show many of the later shows. To, and, and again, they, we've talked in the past, Walter, well, about how many of those shows were preachy, and I'm sure Hoover approved of those scripts, and it was, you know, a good public relations for the FBI. I always, I always liked the FBI in peace and war more, and it was the unofficial program. Yeah. But uh, but that but but anyway, reading about Truman Capote and the research for that book was was very, very interesting and and apparently uh, um, Harper Lee you know really assisted him and and it did affect their relationship. But it was also interesting reading about her childhood in Alabama and uh, the message she was trying to give in the book. And the book was a very powerful. The, I've, I've read the book. It's a very powerful book. She was able to convey, you know, through the character of Scout, you can sort of, I could sort of imagine what the kids were, what life in that town would have been like in the 1930s. She mentioned Elmer Davis, by the way, in To Kill a Mockingbird, by the way, one one old-time radio reference. She said her father used to listen to the commentaries of Elmer Davis every night and express concern about Hitler's aggression, and so she did mention Elmer Davis. So it come up in the book.
3: I-, I
0: wonder though. I have read the book, but I think so m- so many people regard the movie as being a classic with Gregory Peck.
4: Well, it was, and
0: that's what I'm thinking. Most people think of it because of the movie rather than her book.
4: And, I th- and that's the problem. If they ever make the se, if they make the sequel into a movie, since he's gone now, it wouldn't have the same impact. You know, without Gregory Peck playing the lawyer as an older person, it wouldn't have the same. And the, the the ones who played the kids were good too in that in that. By the way, one interesting story about To Kill a Mockingbird. My mother and grandmother wanted to came, wanted to see that when it was out, and we, they were going to take us to see the show. My brother and I, and, and I think my sister. And she read in the PTA magazine, which is a parent, a, a magazine my mom subscribed to, where they did movie reviews that it wasn't the kind of movie children should see in the PTA magazine's review, so we didn't get to see the film. She said later, she said, the PTA was totally wrong on that. You should have seen it. It was not you know, it was a, uh, uh, and then she she finally said later, the PTA bad a Disney movie that came out that same year called Savage Sam about a dog. It was a sequel to Old Yeller. And they badmouth that film, saying it wasn't really the right kind of film for kids either because of some of the Western violence, et cetera. And she said, "Well, if they don't even like a Disney film, who cares about the PTA magazine?" <laughs> you know. Uh, but it, it, but uh, it was a powerful film. I saw it later, and of course, read the book. So, well, that's pretty much it for tonight. Uh, I can't think of anything else. Uh, I by, by, oh, by one comment on Archie and Archie and Kraft. One difference in that 1949 summer series, I've heard one or two recordings. The sponsors on this Archie show in the summer were like, instead, it wasn't so much the cheese and the macaroni, but it was Kraft chocolate Maltese, the malted milk. It was Kraft caramels, you know, the candy. And it was the Kraft uh, ice cream, we, uh, the, the the ice cream thing that Kraft made. I forgot what it was. Called.
1: I did not even know they had those products.
4: Yeah. If you listen, I'll be darned. Those with Kraft, with Archie, caramel. Oh boy,
1: was that kissy with kids or what? She <laughs> Willikers. Wait
4: oh, a minute,
0: mean, adults like them too.
4: Yeah, that's true. Well, I
1: know, but gee, yeah, you know, but, yeah. I don't think adults surrounded the radio and told everybody to be quiet because Archie was on.
4: Yeah, it was, a, and I don't know how, they only did it that one summer, I guess, as a way. And it's interesting that Swift only sponsored it one season, the forty-seven forty-eight season. <coughs>
3: so
4: and, was it was, then, was it sustained? Yeah, yeah.
3: The
0: rest of the year, it was, uh huh.
4: No, I know we talked. There were two shows about teenage girls. There was a date with Judy, was one of them. And what was the other show about a girl? Well,
0: you have several, actually. You have a date with Judy. Carlos Archer? Carlos Archer. Yeah, Archer. And Junior Miss. And Junior Miss. Yeah, there were... T- and then Shirley Temple had one.
4: Well, actually, there was also that Bruce... I haven't heard any shows, but there was also a teenage show called That Brewster Boy.
0: Right, but that didn't start a girl. That started a boy.
4: Right, I'm Eddie's just Archer. <laughs> Archie, Aldridge Family, That Brewster Boy. uh
3: uh-huh.
4: So I guess there were three teenage teenage shows for boys and three for girls, I guess, or four for I girls. Could,
1: I couldn't consider Archie anything other than, you know how for so many years moms were criticized that they were plopping their kids in front of the television and the television was the babysitter? Yeah. I think that's what they used Archie for. But
0: remember, it was, it was Phil, it was Saturday morning, they get Remember, traditionally, radio, radio on Saturday was not really the, a big emphasis, because that's when First, kids went out and played. There were only
4: a few children's yeah. programs. You think of Saturday morning as being children's radio? Well, if, if, really if, like there it. weren't as many children's programs on radio as there were on television no. on Saturday morning. Because on Saturday morning, you had Les Pretend. you had the Buster Brown Gang. Mm-hmm. Later in the 50s, you had Big John and Sparky's No School Today and Space Patrol. But, my, but a lot of your Saturday shows were like dramas adults would have listened to, like right. Grand, uh, Grand Central State Station, Stars Over Hollywood, and Lincoln Highway, and uh, Armstrong's Theater, of different different Saturday dramas. Well, Frank Merriwell, I guess, teenagers would have liked. Did you like Frank Merriwell?
1: Which one of us are you asking?
4: Uh, Fra- Did you like The Adventures of Frank Merriwell?
0: No, I'm, are you asking Walden or are you asking me? You. You're the you're the historian, Patricia.
4: Did you like Frank Murray well, Patricia? No,
0: are you
1: asking or are you asking...
0: Patricia? Patricia? I yeah, yeah I just dropped
1: off for a minute. Okay. Um, Did you like Frank, well, Frank Murray Well, well it. <laughs> Am I setting myself up for hits tonight? You know, it actually was a pretty good show. It it listening to it today is an experience because it's a snapshot of times that goodness gracious none of us would ever know about. I mean, they would go out in a buggy, a horse drawn buggy
4: Yeah to and yet, to rescue know,
1: someone, to get back hey, in time, you know, you know Frank was lost again and they had to go find him. It was really—it's really an interesting show, and it's not a matter of like or dislike. It's a kids' show, and I think it was really well done.
4: Yeah, I like them. I like them. Um, It was, um, yeah, and you know, you you know, it reminded you, and it wasn't, and and also since it was college and not high school, mm -hmm. might have liked the show more.
1: Yeah, I think a college. You know, Walden and I talked about this one time. In writing, the hero, when you're writing in juvenile areas, the hero is always older than the listener. I, I'm sorry, than the reader. So if you have a 10-year-old group reading a book that is designed for 10-year-olds, you're going to have a hero who's 13 or 14,
4: Like Jack maybe Arden. 12. Yeah.
1: So it's something that they can aspire to. It's someone they can look up to. It's not a contemporary or a peer. It's a contemporary but not a peer. It's someone older. Yeah. And I think that probably fits the Frank Merriwell profile that it might have been pre-high school or early high school kids who would listen to that Mm -hmm. because he was a college student.
4: Right. Are,
1: are, are we being too hard on R.C. Andrews, then? Uh, too hard? Yes. Hello? <laughs> Hello? I have. I couldn't find my sledgehammer, so I did the best I could without
0: it. Right. So, I mean, so, see, if I was supposed to be about 13 or 14, that's written for 8-year-old. I mean, how did the, the no. demographics
1: were for 8-year-old no. kids? Allow, allow me to elucidate and clarify.
4: <laughs> well, I will say this. Sean and I were talking about well, the one thing that I remember most about the show was, of course, the dad going, quiet, quiet, quiet. But, of course, in time, oh, even that stupid. would work again after a few weeks, you know, if, you know, saying it every week. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: but, but, Kim, if you and I were eight years old, you might like the show.
4: Yeah, well, I guess so. I guess that's the way you have to view it. You have to view it from your age. Okay, okay now,
0: Patricia, I will give you the floor.
1: Thank you. Okay. There is no way Archie could be a hero. It is a hero who is older. Archie was
0: just playing stupid. So you tell me I was you tell me I I a stupid. You tell me I was a stupid kid? could I like the show as a kid? No,
1: no. Um, I'm saying Archie was stupid. <laughs> And you managed to get your comment in there before I got to say, okay. however, <laughs> yeah, but I know there obviously are people who enjoyed the show when they were kids. Well, you're. I don't closed, think you, even a sustaining show could fill, fill
4: in a blank. Patricia, when you yes. listen to the closing each week and they're signing off, you, you can hear the enthusiasm of the audience of kids. You mm-hmm. would agree they were enjoying it the
1: studio no. was. I, I wouldn't <laughs> only because i've done some reading in john denning who said the kids got enthusiastic because they had people out in the audience prompting them
4: oh we Get up remember. The screen,
1: yell. Yeah, yeah this well, was not a spontaneous thing on their part well, they were being told how to how to react well if bob
0: and hal you should say they did things on purpose to get the audience to
4: laugh. They do things. visual things. To yeah, make- and I,
0: I would, I would go along with that. Yeah, they, they did trap falls all the time. They oh, they did, did visual yeah. things. Oh
4: yeah. Yes. They did visual. Oh yeah,
0: they did visual wow. things. They did things with their faces. They did everything, every trick's in the book to, to get a laugh. Okay. Yeah.
1: Was, they probably and had people out probably, in the audience waving their arms yeah, as they well. Pa- <laughs> they probably knew <laughs> no, it was a
0: terrible. script. I mean, script.
1: you could get a laugh out of a rock, for goodness' sake,
0: yeah, with they, that combination. They probably knew it was a terrible they, script. I love him. But I love him. as Bob Hastings always said, he was a businessman. He made sure he got a paycheck out of it. So, yeah. so you know, he said, I, yeah. I, I, had four kids to feed. You no, know. no, now, no criticism the Aldrich, of the actors. To the Aldrich
4: said, family. I get since it was a night show, I get the impression the audience was more of an adult audience for the Aldrich family, right? That's interesting. I don't
1: know. Well, I, don't I, know. Think I think that was
0: mean, an that, old I'm, I'm, I, See, no. Pat- Patricia's premise for the Aldrich family has been written for kids to 13 years old, right, Patricia? I said that. Well, I'm just, I'm just wondering that. that are are you
1: role. are you inserting, or are, or are you repeating <laughs> something that I don't remember? <laughs> But the audience...
0: Well, then, didn't you we just, didn't we just say 10 minutes ago that generally a hero's older than the
4: audience? What's well, i my is the audience was more adult.
0: Well, I'm just trying to get Patricia... Yeah. I'm analyzing... you trying past- to get me all worked up I'm here. I'm just trying to analyze Patricia's statements.
1: I'm lathering. No. <laughs> 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 this is good. This is good. I wrote the word Dropbox. The other day, meaning I put it in your Dropbox.
3: Uh-huh. We
1: make verbs out of everything in this world. <laughs> I mean, impact is a noun. We use it as a verb. I impacted him now. I mean, we, we just do such awful things. What were something
0: you you mentioned last week? Um, a certain word that we all now use as an act, as a, uh, a verb, but it's a, a noun.
4: I don't know. Well...
0: I think you mentioned something last week, and I didn't think about it. Or maybe some other yeah. radio show I heard.
1: Yeah. No, I don't recall having said that, which doesn't mean anything, because I don't recall having had breakfast. <laughs> um.
4: Um... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I rely on you to be my memory. Forward, Richard, to some more of your awful shows. I know you've found, I'm sure you're finding new ones all the time, right? And oh,
1: boy, did I find some this week. Wowzers.
4: Uh, can you give me one sneak preview of one that you've...
1: Well, if you can hold on, and I'll have to talk quietly because I'll be next to a common wall, and the walls are thin in an old building. Oh, no. Just Hold on. Yeah.
0: Yes, the USA, we're talking to Patricia and Jim. It is, uh, next, next month, it's already a week from Saturday, August. So, hope you get your Christmas shopping in early this year. Uh, because it's coming fast. Here, yesterday the USA. Um, just to uh, give you the heads up, I think this, you have one more week to hear Howard Duff, the Howard Duff interview that Larry did for SpurVac. And then after that will be Jack Crucian. we we'll talked talk to Jack. John Larry did about his days uh, putting together Armed Forces Radio. One for of the things he did. So those are some of the things you'll hear on the Spurback show. Spurback, okay. can we... Are we ready? I'm ready.
1: All right. We've got two local shows titled Club Time. I'm not sure about that. You know, you pick on local shows and they did the best they could. But some of them are really awful, so they're fun to listen to. I'm going to reprise Orphans of Divorce because we talk about that one so often. And it's been episode?
4: three years. Hmm? Have you found another episode?
1: No. Well, yes, Ron in Hawaii sent me a CD with odds and ends, filling, filled up with odds and ends. And there
4: were I two Ron is back, by the way. I heard last week on radio once more from Neil that Ron was in the hospital. I hope he's out now. Have you heard any news?
1: Yeah, he called in last week. And he has been very ill. Um, so I made him a CD today that I have to get out in the mail next week.
4: But he is out. Yes.
1: He is out. Yes, he's home. He's home. So all right, so I've got we're reprising Orphans of divorce because the second episode sounded more like a soap opera than the original one. So we we're, we're reprising that. I have a standby for crime that's terrible. Police Headquarters is terrible. The one club time that I just talked about, Phil Coe, the detective...
4: Yeah? You there?
0: I think we're waiting to see Patricia
1: come
4: back. Okay, sometimes I always like to be sure I'm connected.
1: I'm sorry, I dropped
4: off again. You're back. Nope.
1: I, I, yeah, I am. You know, whenever I drop off, I'm going to be back, but you just don't know. I'm gone.
0: Well, that's why we, that's why I figured we just step in, and wait till you come
1: back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Three of a kind. I don't know about that one. I've, I've listened to it. It's an audition show with John Brown as the host, and I think it's pretty bad. I'll have to listen to it again to.
3: Uh
0: huh. And Patricia's gone again. We'll wait till she uh, reappears. Here in just the USA, the tonight, light 365 will be taking it down. Uh, somewhat. Yeah, I'm
1: taking myself down. I really apologize. I think it's a connection problem with CenturyLink because it keeps saying, "Welcome, we're connecting." So maybe it isn't my phone so we have, after all. We have, we have, we'll try it. Otherwise, I'll get a new phone. By the way. So I've got three of a kind. Yeah. Salute to the law. Little man inside has got to be. Thank goodness somebody truncated the show. I think it's probably a half an hour show, and it ends in 15 minutes. I think the person who recorded this episode probably couldn't stand it any longer <laughs> than that. So everyone will be grateful. That's, that's, that's only 15 minutes. Leo and the Blonde. Don't ask. And then of course Jeff and Lucky with Suley. So I got like oh and Lone Indian. Sounds, does anybody do you know that one Walden?
0: No, that's a new one on me.
4: What's that last one oh. called? Lone Indian. Uh,
1: was he a
0: companion of the Lone Ranger
1: or, or, or what? I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, it's just kind of a <laughs> stupid Western Indian show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pick good stuff, Wallace. <laughs> I
4: pick awful stuff. Two story. So anyway, before I go, I want to ask hmm? you about if you've had a chance to hear them yet. And, you know, they, they were religious dramas, but I thought they were very well produced. Have you had, had, had a chance yet to hear many episodes of both The Eternal Light and The Greatest Story Ever Told?
1: I have listened to several episodes of The Greatest, story ever told. And I, I can't recall how many are there. There's more than a hundred. Right. There are more than a hundred. And Eternal Light, I have not listened to yet. And it is available.
4: I know it's available. About
0: 700 I haven't of on that them one yet. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that one's fairly
4: heavy. I thought The Greatest Story was pretty good. It had a New York cast. Mm-hmm. It, it, the story spoke oh. Themselves. They didn't. There wasn't a lot of preaching on the shows. You know, the stories spoke for themselves, and I thought it, considering what it was, and I thought it was a very well produced, very well done series.
0: I think it's fascinating that it was sponsored, but the sponsor never had his name mentioned until the very end. This was sponsored by.
4: And it was required by law, but no commercials. You know, but the show was so. Re- re- they wanted to approach it with such reverence. Right. That they didn't, uh, and also, for years, the act by Jesus Warren Parker wasn't even known right. on the rate. He was never given on the air credit. Uh, the supporting players were all the great ones, like Wendell Holmes and Ralph Bell and Carl Weber, and you know all the big, really? all the big New York New York actors. For a while, Norman Rose was the narrator, and so was Ted Pearson. Uh, It had a it had a choir and an orchestra. Um, The Eternal Light was very good too, and it was it was for the Jewish faith. But they the stories weren't necessarily endorsing the faith. They might do a story on American history, or they might do an original fantasy or something. It was, and it was also produced in New York by NBC. And they were both I thought both of them were excellent Sunday series.
0: Well, they got me about. It ran to 1984.
4: Yeah, it lasted a long. Time.
0: It lasted a long time, so that's uh, good for them to keep drama going like that.
4: Yeah, and um, it was um, again, you know, people like Alexander Scorby and <laughs> and uh, Rose and Leon Janney and all all the big who's who of of New York radio.
3: Sure.
0: Those
4: are two more Patricia that I would recommend you.
0: I think we lost oh. Patricia. Her phone died again. Oh, okay. Fourth thing.
4: Yeah, so People have told me get a cell phone, and I just say everyone I have oh, knows him trouble with cell phones.
0: Well, your buddy Ron got one.
4: Well, I know. <laughs> and he he's, he says it's, he's getting better at using it. You know, uh-huh. it it was a little difficult, I guess he said at first to use parts of it, but he, he's getting a lot better. He's getting a lot better at it. Yep. Um. And let's see, what else was I going to tell you? Um, forgot what else I was going to tell you. Now. Oh, uh, that was an interesting, as I said, that was an interesting special about Walt Disney last night.
0: Show-wise. Sure Show-wise.
4: Sure and um, and, and bring up to Larry my idea about Johnny Dollar. Mm-hmm. When you do your recreations. Okay. So I just tell you all, is Patricia back?
0: Well, no, I got to go get her. So I will. Uh,
4: tell you goodnight now then.
0: Okay, Jim. See, I'll talk to you soon.
4: It's always a pleasure, Walter. you bet. Bye bye. Thank you. All right, there's Jim.
0: And we're going to have to go get Patricia. So stand by, everybody. We'll be with you once I go get the first lady of Yesterday U.S.
6: Ready. Patricia Newitt, Bill Brad, Bill Bryan, Skype trademarked, Mike Casey, Patricia Newitt, phone number, favorite, 21 of 188, application, send, desk, invite, group, enter, leaving menus, contact, unloading, job, hands, okay, enter.
0: Patricia,
3: Patricia, I'm
1: sorry I missed your call. Please leave a message and I'll get back to you. Thank you.
3: At the phone, please record your message.